Oh no. It's the American Soccer Show. Eric O'Cantor, Evan McConnell. Despite the fact the government shut down, you might have thought that they shut us down, but no. In fact, that's not how this works. We're still here. We thought at first maybe the government shutdown meant we didn't have to go to work, but it turns out we do. So that's unfortunate. Uh, the good news is today is the first ever edition of the American Soccer Show Awards. Round of applause for the American Soccer Show Awards. Clap, 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 Beautiful. clap, clap. Uh, we'll give you everything from biggest flop to best new stadium. But before we get there, as always, there's business to take care of, things to talk about, uh, things that happened the last couple of days, including the passing of Siggy Schmidt, legendary uh, U.S. soccer coach. Uh, won the CONCACAF Champions Cup, which is the CONCACAF Champions League, before uh, they got that Champions League name. Uh, he won four U.S. Open Cups, three Supporter Shields, two MLS Cups, a true legend of the game, to be honest. He was also very instrumental in bringing up the UCLA men's soccer team. He's left a, a large legacy there, so much so that the family, in lieu of gifts, has asked people that if they want to, you know, donate to a cause that was close to his heart to donate to the UCLA men's soccer team. So quite the legacy that Siggy Schmidt has left behind. Yeah. And he was, uh, kind of came as a surprise to a lot of people. Didn't really see it coming. He was only 65. And, uh, so we, uh, we wish his family all the best in these we tough do. times. And so Frank DeBoer, speaking of coaches, he will officially succeed Tata Martino in Atlanta. Most famous, you might know him from his days at Ajax. He won four Eredivisie titles. He's also assistant on that Netherlands squad that fell to Spain in the 2010 World Cup. So I had I had initial thoughts, and I was I, I went back and looked, and I said, man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. What's he been doing? And oh, boy. Bad things. things. So he spent four months. So after that, that good stun at Ajax, he spent four months at Inter before being sacked. He lost seven of fourteen. He won only five. Then he went to Crystal Palace, which lasted five matches. He lost four of them. You might remember that because Palace didn't score a single goal in the league. He only won one game his time there, and it was in the Carabao Cup against Ipswich Town. It's the shortest Premier League reign in terms of matches managed. I'm guessing he's here to repair his reputation. Uh, I don't think many teams in Europe would, was you know were going to hire him after that, and it wasn't just that the teams weren't doing well; they looked really yes, bad. Yes, they did. They never looked like they had any idea what they were doing out there. So uh, he has you know has had some success. Maybe the step down uh, from the Premier League will be good for him. Let's hope so for Atlanta's sake, because we'll also see how that affects them going forward. Obviously, two different kind of coaching philosophies between Tata Martino and Frank DeBoer. Uh, Atlanta also got Michael Parkhurst back. So he's he's back for, for one them. more ride, perhaps get to that. What would it be? Sixth MLS Cup. Yeah, and maybe he'll have. Uh, if he wins that one, he'll have be able to say at least he won one third of his MLS cups. The math checks out on that one. Yoshimaru Tune possibly going to Cruz Azul. We've had reports that for four million dollars, the Peruvian uh, international could be heading to Liga MX. Uh, Orlando's for this would be shocking, right? Like this would be such a shocking move by Orlando's front office to let a player of that caliber leave when you've already got a team so devoid of talent. I mean, I do believe every player has their price uh, and four million's not a bad, uh, not a bad price tag for him. But yeah, with I'm with you on the front of that is going to be tough to replace because outside of him, that midfield is not exactly what I would consider 
uh, playoff quality in MLS. So, and look, $4 million, that is a pretty decent sum. They got him for less than a million. I don't remember what the exact total was, but he, it would be good business on Orlando's part. But like, does anyone really honestly trust that guy, the, the front office more so to, you know, turn that money around and use it for good? Honestly, I don't. So that would be a tough ask for me. I'd rather just have your tune. Yeah, uh, I think he'd rather have Yotun, but we'll see what they do in the offseason. There is ways. I mean, the, the, I'm with you on trust. The last time they tried to rebuild, Yotun was the only good thing to come out of it. So they need some work uh, at rebuilding. They really aren't the best uh, rebuilders, as we've seen pretty much happening every year. And they still have yet to make the playoffs in their four-year existence. Uh, Lawrence Simon possibly coming back to MLS. That was fast. And... Perhaps to Toronto. Toronto did move up in the allocation order, if you remember, uh, a few weeks ago. And the rumor has it that Simon will be joining Toronto FC. This is after, of course, forcing a move from LAFC, which came after basically getting traded from Montreal to LAFC. And now he left the league and came back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it's kind of a puzzling situation, to say the least. Strange happenings. Uh I, Toronto needs center backs. I guess they're pretty devoid there right now. They had a lot of injury crises. Uh, but we'll see how Simon fits in there. He's he's good, but I think he's a liability at times. Could, hard, hard to say no to him. He could be a liability, but I think three at the back would probably suit him well. His, just, his, his constant marauding runs forward. He, he just... He, he looks good on the ball at times, and then just he makes boneheaded mistakes, and then it makes him look really bad. So I, I do think that it makes sense for Toronto to want to bring him in. I just... Like, if I'm LAFC, I'm pretty miffed, aren't you? Yeah, probably. I mean, he basically forced his way out to return. Uh, I think he went to go play in France, be closer to home, and coming right back. I mean, he was pretty upset that he was forced out of Montreal, if I remember, uh, the first time. So, yeah, What a weird, weird, weird situation, to say the least. Only in MLS. <laughs> Only in MLS. Uh, no CONCACAF Champions League at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for Atlanta, at least not in the round of 16. Uh, there are events going on outside of their window of exclusivity, so they'll have to play that round of 16 game against Herediano in that other stadium that I've already forgotten the name of that they were playing in before they got that stadium built. Georgia Tech Football Stadium? Is it? I don't... Is it? Hmm. We'll get... We got our producer find, get on Get the that. producer something to do. Yeah, he's he's been a little... Uh, he's been needing some work. So yeah, uh, Austin officially get their MLS stadium approved. And I, I guess this is really isn't kind of a shock. It's more so just felt like a formality, honestly. But now that it's there, I, I, I don't think it's actually officially been awarded to them. But I think we can all say that with some strong certainty that we're looking at Austin being Team 27. Uh, the producer has confirmed. He's gotten back to me that uh, Bobby, Bobby Dodd Stadium... Uh, was where they played originally, which was the Georgia Tech football stadium in Atlanta. There you go. So, glad to get our producer back. He's been uh, feeling a bit lonely without the show the past few days of the holiday period. Time. Time just really eats away at you sometimes. So, there's that. Uh, Minnesota added Jan Gregus as a DP from FC Copenhagen. 
This feels like such a Minnesota move. It's an interesting investment because, you know, their other two DPs are purely attacking players. So you get the 27 in Slovenian International. Not a ton of appearances this season. His, His appearances have actually almost all come in the Europa League, which is interesting because you consider that Copenhagen probably are a team that would want to take the Europa League seriously. So you think that that might be, like, a good thing that he's only appearing in the Europa League, but... Ah, that's kind of a weird thing to have happen to you. Like, you're you're only appearing in the Europa League. Usually that's not a good thing when we think of bigger teams like Chelsea or Arsenal that are in the Europa League this year. That, that tends to be where they get players who don't get in the squad uh, playing time. And so now we get this guy who's kind of the opposite, you know, that they Copenhagen takes pride, I think, in, you know, representing in the Europa League. So... I don't know. It's kind of an interesting move, I guess. Not a lot of not a lot of DPs playing as like I, I want to say sixes, but then every time I like read things about him, it's like, well, he's he's not really a six. He's more of a box to box kind of player. And I'm like, okay. So uh, and then I read he's the kind of a destroyer. Sometimes you know he gets himself in yellow card trouble, and it's all kind of a mess. It's kind of hard to feel out what this kind of guy, what this player is really going to bring to Minnesota. Yeah, but uh, at least he's used to playing in the cold up there in Denmark. Uh, so that'll be that'll be good. I mean, they need they needed help that wasn't just purely strikers. So that'll be good for them. The uh, the fire signed a defender, which they've desperately needed, Marcelo, but not that Marcelo from <laughs> Sporting CP in Portugal. Uh, he he played at Rio Ave uh, before that, also in Portugal, where he played at least twenty games uh, in five of his seven seasons there. Uh, and only made one appearance for Sporting this past season, uh, so that's an interesting signing. Finally, uh, couldn't really, couldn't really cut it at Sporting, which is a very, very strong team. But uh, Rio Ave still, you know, a top flight uh, team in Portugal, made plenty of appearances for. So maybe we won't see Schweinsteiger at center back. Time will. Tell. Honestly, this is like it's so relieving. And now watch, he'll turn out to be a giant bust, and I'll be sitting here lamenting the front office for going and getting this guy who they've probably never seen play. Now, look, it's a fine signing, I think, because it's like you said, you can't have Schweinsteiger playing center back. That's you just it, that cannot happen. So that's good that they've been able to get that done. Obviously, they needed more, you know, good defensive players. And I, I think he provides it. Look, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've, you know, I've gone through and I've watched hours and hours of tape of this guy. He, he looks fine. He plays in Portugal. He plays relatively consistently in Portugal. So I'm just going to assume that he's got good enough talent to be here. And I'm just also going to assume that they didn't also spend a stupid amount of money on this guy either. Because it doesn't, because again, it, it's, it should be just, you know, a nice average signing. That's all it needs to be. Because heaven knows, heaven knows that this team needs, a, you know, just, just an, even an average level defender. Yeah. And I think we have to, you know, notice that the, uh, any of these top, most of these top flights uh, in Europe, you know, Portugal is I think five or six ranked, uh, best league uh, in in the world potentially, and so even if Rio Ave is not a recognizable team, Sporting probably is if you you know pay attention. It's one of the top three teams there, but that's still an accomplishment to play at that level. So I would say uh, MLS is uh, maybe not necessarily a step down, but it's if you have you know been played at the top flight that many years in uh, in Portugal, you you must have some ability. Agreed on that front. So I, I think it's a solid signing. I'm happy about it. And hopefully the front office continues to do these things. That there, There's the talk about the guy we talked about last time, possibly coming in on loan. He's super fast playing on the left wing, whose name it already escapes me. It doesn't really matter. 
Like that that's the kind of signing I'm hoping to see, you know? Just guys that look good and will hopefully play well for the fire cuz right now I have very little faith whenever they sign anyone. Hope is most of what the fire does. Uh, another signing Alvis Powell to Cincinnati. Uh, it appears they have a full defense now. Uh, with a right back, two center backs and Greg Gars at left back. Uh Portland had two starting quality right backs with Zarek Valentin, so it made sense to free up some money. And Cincinnati, not waiting like LAFC, they've got a full defense now. Yeah. Goalie, four defenders. You mean, forget Cincinnati, you mean Timbers East. Essentially. I mean, that's not a bad thing to be compared to. Timbers are historically a very good team. Uh, and lastly, it seems uh, the Galaxy will be signing Guillermo Barrios Galato. Uh, the Argentinian coach. So he was rumored to go to Atlanta. It looks like he'll be joining Zlatan, which could be very good for the Galaxy and a chance to turn it around. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good signing uh, for the Galaxy. It, the rumor, you know, so it, it seems like the Galaxy were interested in both Porter and Skeletto, and in the end they went with Skeletto. Certainly not a bad uh, choice there, I don't think, between either of them. And, you know, we'll see how it works. Obviously, you know, Skeletto known for kind of, you know, free-flowing type of game, let the game come to you kind of coach. So we'll see how that goes for them. Right on. Uh, that's the news for the day. And before we get into our awards, how about we hear from a message from our sponsors? Love having to pay for the bills. So got to pay those bills. Sell it. Selling out, that's, that's what, we, what do. we do. So we've arrived at the most exciting time of the year, giving out awards right before the new year. We had a lot of fun moments this year, but we're going to start with, of course, a negative one, because that's all we do on the show is negativity. The biggest flop, Emmett has dubbed it the Waste of Space Award. We have nominees that include Jorgen Skelvik. That's a uh, defender for um, the LA Galaxy, made over a million in total compensation, and was probably the reason why that defense was terrible. Uh, it's harsh to put it on one guy, but yeah, it was pretty rough. <laughs> highest paid defender in the league, and he ended up being not even a bench player by the end. Second, our favorite, Giovanni Dos Santos. Uh, I hope that that, that <laughs> noise just brings it all to the forefront. I've already I've gone off on this guy enough times. Let's just leave it at this man... He, he takes up a lot of space, all right, and not in a good way. Right. Uh, and then another favorite of the show, Breck Shea, uh, guy who's been around a lot, was once a golden child at Dallas, is now can't really find a position for him that suits him. Wing, defense, forward. Seems to just kind of take up space wherever he goes and makes the team worse. I think I found a good position for him, the one he's currently in. Yes. Teamless. Very good. Uh, we also have my personal favorite, CJ Sapong. You might remember, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but you might remember that Emmett here at the beginning of the season told me that CJ Sapong was going to outsmore Dom Dwyer. Did not happen. The uh, the CJ Sapong catchphrase is, and just missed CJ Sapong. That means he either missed the net on a tap-in or missed the ball on a tap-in. Uh, plenty of chances for him, uh, but... It seemed he just was wasting space in front of the goal. Another union player for nominee, David Akam. I can't, what, have, what did you people do to him? Listen, we got one thing out of David Akam all year, and that was a victory against the Chicago Fire. <sighs> That's all you need. 
That's all you need to he say. Was, <laughs> it, I'll never forget that celebration where he's like, he ripped off the shirt and was like going to celebrate, then immediately remembered, oh, right, wrong game. And he just like immediately put his hands up after. And he's like, no, I'm not celebrating. I took my shirt off, but I'm not <laughs> celebrating. Ah, <laughs> uh, David Akam. David, David Akam. And finally, we have Joshua Coleman. Big signing for Orlando City. If If you're wondering, wait a minute. Big signing for Orlando City. That team was terrible this year. Well, this would probably be one of the reasons why. One of their biggest investments this offseason, this past offseason, did not pan out, to say the least. He's a young number 10, 20 years old, so he's still pretty young, but uh, essentially when he was on the field, he forced Sasha Kleshton, a much more experienced and, in my mind, talented player, out of position and off the field at times. So he was essentially just wasting space in that number 10 position. That's all the nominees now for the drum roll and the award. <laughs> the award for Waste of Space goes to David Akam. Uh, I know Eric will love that one. Eric, what do you think a, about well, that? Well, I was going to say he's a guy that's hurt both of us, but he actually really did, he didn't did anything. He never did anything to me outside of that open cup goal. It was Akam was the Fire's best player for years when the Fire were terrible. So, to see him kind of fall off the way he did is partly the reason he got this award in the first place is because like when he was brought to the Union, I mean, this guy was supposed to be a difference maker on that team. Uh, Emmett can testify to the fact that that did not happen. Yeah, in the beginning of the season, he looked active, and then he just it looked bad. Uh, there, he did get a hernia surgery partway through the year that ended his season. There's a theory that that, surg- that, that hernia was uh, slowing him down and affecting his play, and they didn't really catch it until later. So... We'll see what happens next year. Maybe he won't win it back-to-back years. But moving on to the next award. Yes, it's Biggest Revelation, the Where Did He Come From Award. We have a few nominees here. Everybody knows Raul Ruiz Diaz. Where did he come from, obviously? Just burst onto the scene, changed everything about Seattle before they were eliminated in the playoffs. They went on that historic run. You have Lucho Acosta, who, you know, he'd been there, and people had talked about potential for years and years and years, but finally getting Wayne Rooney in there, along with some other talented players around him, the stadium opening finally unlocked the true potential of Lucho Acosta. We have Mauro Minotas forward for Houston Dynamo. He had a really strong season for a pretty weak Houston Dynamo team. Uh, And he was one of those guys, Central American players, kind of didn't make a big name for himself at some point, but... The Houston fans and faithful knew that he had a lot of potential, and this season he just kind of popped onto the scene. Yeah, he did. Corey Burke, everyone's favorite Philadelphia Union goal scorer, started the year in USL, pushed his way to the first team, and wound up leading the team in goals, right? Yeah, he led the team with 12 goals. Uh, he came in and played uh, an equivalent amount of time. I think he ended up having the same appearance as Raul Ruiz Diaz, scored the same amount of goals for him. So as a non-World Cup player... Uh, that's pretty impressive. Good for him. And we also have Eric Rometty, signed midseason by Atlanta, really helped shore up that midfield. Under the radar signing, to say the least, when you have so many stars on that team. Nobody really thinks about those other bit players, but that's a guy that came in and made a real big difference as soon as he got here uh, in that midfield. Again, he really just gave them that steadying presence. It allowed them, it allowed Tata Martinez to kind of go to that three at the back that we saw in the playoffs because you know without that steadying presence in the midfield, you probably had to play one of the center backs a little further forward in the midfield and you wouldn't have enough center backs to complete the back three. It gave the team a gritty appeal, gritty look, that uh, hard-nosed tackler who can also pass the ball. Uh, you know, Lorenzo is a great player, and Martino has found ways to put him in, 
But uh, when the team was struggling, Rometty was a guy who kind of was able to steady the ship. They weren't as you know flashy anymore, but still an important player. And lastly, LAFC forward Adama Diomande. Uh, 12 goals and 17 appearances for LAFC. Came on and burst into the scene with, I believe, nine goals in five games. It was, it was remarkable what this man did. <laughs> just nobody, nobody, nobody knew anything about him. He started, he started just banging goals for fun, and then immediately, as soon as his run ended, just didn't do anything. After that, he was largely invisible. After his big run to start, and then of course, it reminds you might remind you of Samuel Armenteros, but this guy was way more impressive. And I mean, you could speaking of wasted space, he's a big dude. So it's you know it's hard it's hard to waste that much space on the field, but he just ended up kind of standing around towards the end. Those are the nominees, and the winner goes to the award goes to the winner Corey Burke. Yes, congratulations to Corey Burke. Yeah, there yeah. was a heated debate on this one because I wanted Adama Diomande, but in the end, I acquiesced. I acquiesced because I, you know what I can buy into the idea that you know Corey Burke's success was a little more sustained. You know, <laughs> Diomande literally just showed up. Scored goals for fun for about like a month and a half, two months, and then just disappeared. So that kind of does fit the where did he come from. Uh, but Diomande was a player with Hull City, had appearances in uh, many appearances in the championship and some in the Premier League. Uh, you know, wasn't a huge part player for them, bit part, but he uh, had a bit more of a role other than Corey Burke, who was kind of just this 26-year-old playing in USL, not really like a youth product, but somehow... Becoming a team's lead striker kind of came out of nowhere in my mind. Yeah, good for Corey Burke. Congratulations to you taking home the award. Next, we have the best player over the age of 33. The age is just a number award. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, how could you do anything? How could you leave this man off the list? 37 years old, scored screamers for fun, scored his 500th career goal in MLS with, and of course, the only, in a way that only Zlatan could with some kind of karate kick past the goalkeeper. Michael Parkhurst, legendary center back, went to five MLS Cups, didn't win a single one before finally getting the one with Atlanta. 34-year-old who uh, just has been a rock for Atlanta. His career seemed to be over after leaving Columbus, and he's remade himself as a captain of that team. Bastian Schweinsteiger, also 34 years old. He does it all. If you ask him to play center back, he'll play center back. He won't complain. He'll do it, and he'll probably be shaking his head the whole time. But he does it. Good leader, and, too, by the way. Uh, and just f- fantastic player. Calm, relaxed on the ball. Uh, amazing that this former winger has gone to play center back. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Alexis Sanchez one day do the same. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Mourinho, then we have uh, Chris Wondolowski. Not, <laughs> not moving yeah. to center back? That's a shame. Chris Wondolowski at 35, still bagging goals and itching to get that all-time MLS goal scorer record. Hopefully we'll see him back next year and doing hopefully the same. a more competitive San Jose team. Just a little bit more competitive. <laughs> It'd be tough to go down Dow, from they there. They did win the wooden spoon, you're right. And our last nominee, David Villa, 36. Yes, David Villa, who is unfortunately on his way out of NYCFC. What a great, great you know, man this guy was for the league. He did a lot of great things at NYCFC, and even this season continued to just carry their offense and be the focal point for them. They're going to miss him. It's going to be tough to replace that production, but he absolutely deserves to be on this list. Yeah, I mean, he kind of came in around the time with uh, 
names such as uh, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, and has well outlasted them. He was a little bit before them, but uh, he's kind of the name brand for when people think, oh, this is just a retirement league. Well, David Villa is still going at 36. <laughs> yeah, I know there are certain people out there that believe the retirement league thing is still sticking, but he's uh, he did well. And i tell you one thing, he, he stuck with it when you know, Frank Lampard wasn't as enthusiastic about it clearly based on how little he actually played at NYCFC and then of course Andrea Pirlo who you know was clearly just he, he was on his last legs when he got here so you know he gave it all he could but again David Villa stuck with it and he had at least some legs left and Eric the award the award goes to none other than Zlatan Ibrahimovic because you know look <laughs> we how could we pick anybody else this man Major League Zlatan is here to stay folks so MLZ. Congratulations to Zlatan on the award. I'm sure he'll add it to his very, very big trophy cabinet, and I'm sure he'll be he'll be putting it on the top shelf up there. It is one of the most prestigious awards. The American Soccer Show Age is just a number award. We'll have it mailed out to him uh, as soon as possible. Two to three possible. business years. Uh, a couple, you know, depending on uh, on the holiday season, so maybe a little bit longer, but. You know, with, with these age awards, we say anyone over 33, but the older you are, the more impressive it is. And at 37, this guy has shown no signs of slowing down, so well-deserved. Unless you play him on turf, then he slows down a little by not playing. He literally comes <laughs> to a stop. <laughs> All right, so now the complete opposite. We're going to go with the best player under 20, play the kids award. We've got Tyler Adams, no introduction needed, 19 years old. Austin Trusty. Emmett, you want to tell me about Austin? What? Well, with Austin, he is 20, but he turned in August, so we'll give him the under 20 uh, starting the season. Played every minute for the uh, Philadelphia Union this year uh, and was basically their mainstay where just a year ago that player was Oguchi Anyewu, the complete opposite, the 36-year-old center back. So uh, impressive. Curtin seems to pick one player he picks all, he plays all season and doesn't take out. A couple years ago it was Keegan Rosenberry. This year it's Austin Trusty. Uh, and he earned himself a call-up to the U.S. men's national team, Cupcake, Cupcake, Camp Cupcake. There you go. <laughs> I got it after a couple tries uh, in January. So, he, you know, he'll be there, and he'll be there to, uh, uh, you know, sh- show what he's got well, as a well, youngster. Well, boy, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all okay. I, got. I was just going to say, oh, boy, I can't wait for all the complaining when people see that roster again next month. Because, you know, right now it's kind of – no one's thinking about that right now. But when, you know, the time comes to play some games and, you know, the training starts ramping up, people are going to be like, why did they call up all those nobodies? <laughs> Where's Pulisic? But, uh, so much for a nobody. He is yeah. on our list. And another one on this list is 17-year-old Alfonso Davies. Uh, doesn't read much of an introduction no, either, he does, does not. He? He's basically the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, and now he will be the uh, FC Bayern because uh, with Robin and Ribéry on the decline, they will need some wingers. An 18-year-old Canadian playing for Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga would be something exciting Definitely to see. Definitely one of the league's better exports in the last few years. We wish him the best, even though he is Canadian. So, you know, not quite the best, but close enough. You know, we need we need Most... the reputation up. <laughs> Yeah, North America and MLS in general comes first. Uh, that brings us to our next, a South American 19-year-old big money signing. The biggest Ezekiel money Barco. signing of all time. Uh, of all time in MLS. MLS. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And at, 
he you know he he wasn't a, a massive player behind uh, Al, Almiron, but you know you could see flashes of talent, and he did have a decent you know an okay goal record given how little he played for the team. Well, I think next year will be his you know it's his time to shine. We also brought in Diego Rossi. He turned twenty in March, so we're counting it. He is what you know. He played a lot for that LASC team, even though it wasn't always the most productive minutes. The guy, you know, he, he's very clearly a workhorse center forward who can play out wide as well. They they like him in LAFC, and I think next season, just like Barco, but a little more so because it looks like Rossi's more ready. He's going to take that next step and become a true star. I mean, there are moments where he was carrying that team, where they couldn't really get much going. They have a decent midfield, so you just have a guy who displays the ball, and Rossi, he's quick. He runs it down, uh, and so he was at times really carrying that LAFC team when they were struggling uh, towards the middle of the season. And our last one will be Eric's favorite, Georgi Mihailovic. <laughs> yeah, I think he's here basically just as a favor to me. Look, he didn't play most of the season, but you know he did set his goal at the beginning of last year saying he wanted to play for the U.S. men's national team, and he's got that call up now. Look, this the, he did change the fire's attack when he did finally get back from that injury. He He's very talented. I can't stress enough that I think that he has a future as a number 10, both for the fire and possibly for the national team. He brings so much skill on the ball, and I, I, I honestly think the sky's the limit for the kid. He just needs to get right and get healthy, and hopefully he gets a chance to play more next season. Well, hopefully the uh, the uh, injury to his ACL doesn't slow him down because he is, and it is rare to see in the MLS a uh, number 10 coming up through the youth system and being influential. Usually that's uh, someone you buy from elsewhere. So we wish him all the best. But now for the award, Eric, your favorite, Alfonso Davis. I just Davis. don't see how it could be anybody else. The guy, the guy was the team. We've already been over this before when we talked about the obituary for the Whitecaps and then again with the Kai Kamara news. The guy, the guy was so influential. And again, at his age, at 17 years old, he was the team. I mean, it's incredible what they did with him. It's a shame that they have to lose him, but he he did so many great things there in Vancouver. And, you know, I hope that it does work out for him because in the future that's only going to help Vancouver. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, it brings a lot of attention there. And, again, with the age, uh, he's three years under, under the limit. Uh, I don't think anyone was under 19 on this list, so being 17 gives him a massive advantage. Tyler Adams deserves a, a shout-out. You know, he was uh, – the heartbeat at times for that Red Bull midfield. Uh, but uh, Alfonso Davis, you can just see how electric he is on the ball. It is hard to take your eyes off of him. But that brings us, uh, brings us to something that's also hard to take your eyes off of. It is our worst investment or the, what else have you could, what else could you have purchased with that money award? Oh yes. And we start again, David Akam trying to become the first ever American soccer show. Uh, double. That's the word I'm looking for. He's trying to become the first ever person to pull the American Soccer Show double. Uh, again, needs no introduction. Tim Howard. Oh, Tim Howard. Now, I, unfair perhaps to say that a goalkeeper is, is, you know, really that much of a waste of investment. But consider how old he is. Consider that he's no longer is in the prime of his career. It's it's tough to pay him, and so we're gonna go through the money here. Akam makes 1.2 million for a guy who played a under 10 games about about 10 games for the union uh so that's not exactly right that's dp money tim howard 2.4 million in total compensation for your goalkeeper not a great investment which brings us to a massive investment 
Giovanni Dos Santos. Oh dear. Again, I'm not doing. I'm. You're not going to get me to to go off on this guy again. It's, it's fine. Six million dollars. I. Six million dollars. All I'm going to oh, say. Six million dollars. He's taking the bait. Nope. Uh, I try to bait you every episode. Uh, that brings us to the next one. A uh, guy who's not even being paid by a team, but by MLS because he cannot hold a team. Yet he still makes two million in total compensation. That's Yuramov Sisian, <laughs> the Arme- Armenian international. I love this guy. Uh, he was with uh, Real, uh, I believe it was Real Salt Lake for a period of time. Didn't really pan out. Got cut. League kept paying him, and Chicago said, we'll give it a try. And doesn't look like he's going to make it there. Uh, also in the Rockies to join teammate Tim Howard is Skelton Gashi. Ah, yes. 1.6 in total compensation. Honestly, you could put a lot of people in this Colorado team on this list. Uh, guy who barely played this year, scored more, no more than six goals in any season, and that was his best season. I'm reading the next name on this list, and I was like, Emmett, did you just make somebody up? <laughs> Alfredo Ortuna? And I had to like, wait a minute. What? So I go down to see like more about him, and I realize $1.1 million in total compensation. He plays on Real Salt Lake, and I say plays very loosely because apparently he does not play. So he got paid a million dollars not to play. Uh, him and Yuram Obsisian both. Uh, it's hard to say that's a good investment when you're paying someone that much money to warm your bench. That is remarkable stuff. So <laughs> The winner, though, Emmett, why don't you take this one? Oh, I know this one's going to make you happy. Giovanni Dos Santos, come on down. <sighs> okay. It is $6 million. You could have bought the entire... What else could you bought with <laughs> Everybody that? on Houston Dynamo. Most of the Columbus crew and most of the New York Red Bulls. That is, uh, the Red Bulls and Columbus crew both had a total wage bill of about $6.5 So you could cut maybe one player and... you. That's how much Giovanni Dos Santos makes. Absolutely astonishing, given how poor he He's was. He's shocking. This year. And uh, look, I, I've got got a long history with Gio Dos Santos. I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. Congratulations to Giovanni Dos Santos on finally winning something. I know he'll be so proud. <laughs> and oh, just it's it's fine. It's fine. I'm sure. I'm sure the Galaxy will do the right thing with Zlatan being a DP now. They'll just find a way to just get rid of him. Uh, shout out to Colorado, who has four earners: Howard Gashka already on the list, Stefan Eigner, about nine hundred thousand, Yannick Boli also nine hundred thousand, who they pay a combined five million for. They almost combine to one half of Giovanni <laughs> Dos Santos's right leg. Oh no! Okay, well, we're gonna move on. We're gonna Moving move on. on. So, <laughs> we're, oh, on. it gets better. Worst defense. Worst defense, the best defense is no defense award. We've got, we've nominated Orlando City, who just were remarkably good on defense this year. Uh, San Jose, also great. So great they won the wooden spoon. Montreal, who started really terribly, actually kind of figured it out uh, towards the end of the season, but it ended up costing them a shot at the playoffs. The LA Galaxy, whose defense literally cost them the playoffs. And, oh, and go ahead. last but not least... Oh, yeah, I can, can take this one. one. Vancouver, who uh, had a decent attack, Alfonso Davies, uh, but that defense was uh, questionable at best. But I think this award's yeah. a no-brainer. It's going to Orlando City. I mean, they conceded the most goals, one. Okay, that's easy. 
but we didn't want to make it that simple. This was a team at times who looked like they wanted other teams to score. Yeah, they. It you could say it was almost like tanking, but like tanking in MLS is such like a, it's an absurd strategy with the super draft being such a disaster most years. I mean, the, the first overall pick is usually the only one that's ever uh, a sure thing in any mind. Uh, you know, guys like Kyle Laren, uh and whatnot, but they don't even get that. Cincinnati will get the first overall pick, so it's not even worthwhile. <laughs> we're all shaking so our heads they here. Were, and look, this, this team deserves better. I've been to the stadium. It's very nice. They cannot be putting that defense out there anymore. They just can't. No, uh, and so they're going to need a massive overhaul. But that brings us, speaking of nicest stadium, to our nicest stadium award. <laughs> or, not this, no, nicest not nicest stadium. stadium. I should say nicest news stadium. Uh, there's there's only two on this list, but this is also the uh, dubbed the Where Do These Things Come From Award because it seems there's a new couple every year. This year it's Audi Field and Bank of California Stadium. And I might be a little biased because I actually we were both able to visit Bank of California Stadium <laughs> whereas neither of us have been to Audi Field, but I, I think it's safe to say that we have a winner here. A very easy winner. Yeah, uh, we're not going to beat around the bush on this one. Bank of California, the one we've both been to from our time in L.A., uh, was really something special. It um, brought a tear to the eye, honestly, just, walking in. You just never thought something like that would yeah, ever exist in the United States. It, it, it reminded me in a lot of ways of Orlando Stadium, uh, which was also, you know, as you mentioned, a beautiful stadium, great atmosphere, just nice to be in, fun to be in. It doesn't – some of the older MLS stadiums, you know, <coughs> Toyota Park. Uh, they almost feel like they could be like a college stadium. They look like they were just like a, like a halfway house for oh my to the goodness. next set of stadiums. Talent Energy Stadium. Like oh. ha- yeah, halfway between like a college stadium and a professional Toyota stadium. Toyota Stadium. is a professional <laughs> stadium. Toyota has... That is stadiums. absurd. I, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that is absurd. I believe, what, I believe that, San Antonio plays in, <laughs> in a Toyota, like Toyota Stadium or Toyota Field or something like that too. Uh, we know Dallas does, uh, so there's already two MLS teams, but uh, we'll get past that to something that's really important, the MVP award, or the What Would I Do Without You award. I, uh, man, and we're starting we're starting with number numero uno, the man who won the MVP award for the MLS, you know, the, those other people that they write up awards and they give them out as if they have any prestige whatsoever. Joseph Martinez, 35 goals, 6 assists. That's playoffs and regular season included. The man was unstoppable this season. He shattered the goals record in one single season, and he looks like he's just having a grand old time doing it. I think the most impressive thing is that he also broke the all-time hat-trick record in one, what was it, one season, two seasons? Unbelievable. Number two, uh, can't get enough of this guy, Zlatan, in just... 1,873 minutes. That is uh, about two-thirds of the time that Martinez played. He scored 20 goals and nine assists. No doubt that the Galaxy would not have done anything without you, and they'd be saying, what would I do without you? Bradley Wright Phillips on the other side of the country, 20 goals, seven assists, 2,267 minutes. The man's an Iron Man. Goes out there and plays a lot for that Red Bulls team. He creates a lot for them. We talked about how toothless their attack might just be next season if he, again, hits another decline. He is getting up there in age, but for right now, this season, the importance of Bradley Wright Phillips cannot be understated up front for the New York Red Bulls. 
he's just a goal scorer. They don't have anyone else you could put that label on. Uh, some of the, you know, Atlanta might have that, but they do not have that. Uh, next, another Union guy, Boric Dochkal. Just five goals, but 15 assists uh, throughout the season. I believe he led the league uh, in that regard. He won, uh, and he still might be on his way out, the Union doing their best to hold on to him, but they'd seriously that, need a playmaker. I got to tell you what, that would be so bad to let Dochkal go. This is uh, one of the few guys where I would say he's not he's purely a playmaker, which is something the Union kind of need. Uh, unless you have CJ Sapong on the other side, in which case having a playmaker doesn't do all that much. <laughs> uh, well, it's probably CJ Sapong's name's not on this list with how great of a season he had. But uh, another surprise, I guess, has to be Bastian Schweinsteiger. And I know that there's going to be people like, wait, what? Like, okay, l- listen, you have to understand that this guy's basically the only thing that held this team together through a lot of stuff. Because I can promise you this. If you remove Bastion from the equation, you are creating absolute chaos in that locker room. Because I know he's helping hold that thing together. And more importantly, again, he played everywhere this season for the fire. You're asking a World Cup winner, who Emmett always likes to point out, started out on the wing. But again, a central midfielder to go play at center back. To me, that's a guy who's willing to do anything to help his team win. And maybe a bit of a homer pick, but he's here. And I think he deserves to have his name at least recognized for the amount of work he put in this season. We should put in uh, a fact that I added him on this list. I thought that without him, Chicago might be an Orlando type, which would not be. To be exciting. fair, would not it would not uh, have taken many more results to get there. So you're absolutely right. Next, we have Ignacio Piatti, who's now going to be entering his last season with Montreal. Thirteen goals and thirteen assists, just perennially an absolute force for Montreal, and probably the only thing that really keeps them in the playoff hunt every single year. Yeah, great. He is. It's very talented player. He is their talisman, and and I'll, I'll look, I think I, I said it at the you know the end of the end of the year review. I thought that Ignacio Piatti and Montreal will be a team to be reckoned with next season. There's some offers coming in for Lucas Silva, their other winger. Who it was nice to see Piatti not have to do all the work, uh, but there's also rumors of Alessandrini wanting to go to Montreal. So we'll see what they do. But Piatti, he's all you need on that team. He'll keep you in the playoff hunt alone. Speaking of someone who kept a team in the playoff hunt, Lucho Acosta. What a breakout goals, year for this 16 guy. Sixteen assists. Yeah. He just he, he just he knows and he knows how to make the plays when he needs to. And again, you know, nine goals, it may not seem like a lot. It really isn't. But for somebody of his talent to just burst onto the scene the way he did with Rooney, I mean the connection those two had after <laughs> having played together never before they got there, right? Is remarkable how quickly that came together for them. And it's important that with this most influential uh, player, it's not really always about goals and assists. It can be. Uh, And he did have a monster amount of assists and combined with almost double-digit goals is quite impressive. But just the way he influences how DC plays is electric in my mind. Finally, Miguel Almiron, the man who is almost certainly headed for a move to Europe this January. 13 goals, 11 assists. Just as important, if not more important, than Joseph Martinez to Atlanta's success. He just, he can create something out of nothing. And it is remarkable to watch that guy go to work. And, you know, if it is the end for him in Atlanta, we do wish him nothing but the best because, again, guys like him, they don't come around all that often. No, he's exciting to watch. Like Acosta, he does so much in just making the team tick. 
know, he runs back on defense, and he is just so fast. So, so great to watch. Some say he actually dribbles faster than he runs without the ball. Uh, and for our winner, it will be a player from Atlanta, and it'll also be the regular MVP, Joseph Martinez. Uh, it was, you know, he did win it. I guess MLS gave it to him. That didn't impact our decision no. at all. But <laughs> 35 it's goals. It's hard to man. argue when somebody's bagging that many goals. And look, I mean, when the entire other team's game plan has to be slowing that guy down, because if you're not, if you're not game planning for him, he's just going to destroy you. So to have the, you know, and look, we could argue that, oh, what if you took Almiron off Atlanta? Would Martinez be the same? It's up for debate, certainly. But when you score that many goals, to me, the debate just kind of goes out the window because you score so much that it almost removes any doubt that, you know, I think you could have added Martinez to the fire and just, you know, swapped him and Nikolic. And I, I think, I think Martinez could have done fine. So it's that he's that kind of talent, I think. Yeah. So certainly uh, tough to not see that many records broken by one man and not give him some recognition. Speaking of recognition, now we're going to be one. This is for us. (laughs) The biggest supporter of the show. They're going to love this. This is for the people who've been us with us through thick and thin, who said, oh, don't listen to the people who say you won't make it. Uh, and so we're going to give them a shout-out uh, right now. First up, Robbie Weinstein. Uh, big big fan of the show. Great guy also. Yes, fantastic guy. Next up, we have Nate Smith, also a real Salt Lake fan. Uh, we don't know how much he actually listens, but... Uh, we, we mentioned him enough that he had to get a shout-out. <laughs> Nate Smith once said that he was going to binge all of the episodes at the end of the first season, and so was, we don't really do seasons on this show, but I guess if we were, this would be the end of the first season, right? Because, you know, I mean, next time we talk, it's probably going to be, up. Oh, it's time to go. It's time to go for those season previews. <laughs> yeah, and then it'll be, after the uh, year's over, he'll be able to listen through all these and finally hear his name at the end and get some recognition. Another one is my parents, of course. They listen to it because they have nothing better to do. I wanted to add something. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Uh, I wasn't going to go there, but uh, I wanted to add something to Robbie Weinstein's. He, uh, he, he texted me, what happened to Chelsea after uh, Chelsea had been beaten by Tottenham? So he's noted Tottenham fan, but I'm, I'm mad at him for that. So he's not in Eric's best graces and right that now. That was over Hopefully a month that ago. Won't hurt your chances, Robbie. <laughs> that Tottenham game was basically a month ago. I'm still pretty salty. Eric doesn't about it. forget. So I'm just saying. Uh, I I also have to add my parents because I know that they've listened from time to time, and my dad will be like, "How can I support this?" And I'd be like, "Just just listen, I guess. I don't know. Share it with people that would like it." And he's like, "I don't know anyone that would like it." And that's that's when I realized, <laughs> yep, that's about right. So there's there's not much more to be done again. You know, just thanks for the listens. We appreciate it. Then we have Jake Ritma, another Northwestern student who, uh, well, we, we think he listens to the show. You know, so he's he's always there to give us some uh, hearts for our Twitter. I posts, was just gonna say least. yes. He, he always giving us hearts for our Twitter posts. That's always number one, most important. Love Twitter. Love Jake Ritma. Doing fantastic work up there in Detroit. Yeah, you know, he's, he's an audio guy, so he, he loves to see good content being made. Uh, and another one who always there to give out a heart or a retweet on Twitter is Ananya Johari. Oh, yes. And from, and from uh, the other side of the world, too. What dedication. Yeah, I mean, that's 
you, you can't buy that kind of dedication. That's loyalty that, you know, even the president would be glad to have. I think we also have to shout out Lauren Rosen for that one time that she commented on, because uh, we talked about Houston, right? And Houston. And so she's like, thanks for the shout out. Because we had to bring her up, you know, she's a Houston Not person. anymore, though. Not anymore. Uh, not who could blame her. Uh, at heart, she'll always be a Houston person, but we have to pick a winner. This is an award and this, show. This was the hardest decision of any award we had to make. By far, but we had to give it to someone, and we're going to give it to Jake Reetma. Jake Reetma, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. Uh, I'm going to give him a text right now, let him know. Uh, he, he's won something. But he'll have to uh, listen to the entire show to find out where, because we're not telling him where. He can go to the... He can look at the timestamps. But yeah. Uh, good for him. Good for everybody. It, no, everyone's on this list deserves recognition. Uh, send us some messages. And maybe you too one day could be called out as a bigger, big sh- supporter of the yes. show. Yes, indeed. So while he sends that message, we'll move on to Biggest Regret, the Mulligan Award. We're going with things that you know we regret saying or things that we regret predicting. CJ Sapong over Dom Dwyer. We're starting with the big one. The one that longtime loyal fans of the show will remember because it was Emmett's first outlandish prediction. It not only did not come true, it frankly couldn't have gone worse, I don't think. I don't even think we need any other nominees for this. Uh, this is my winner, uh, my mulligan. CJ Sapong over Dom Dwyer. I mean, okay, I had a reason for it. I don't think I didn't think Orlando was going to be that good. I thought the Union would be a playoff team. Okay, so I got those right. Uh, I thought, okay, uh, so their forward scores most of their goals. Corey Burke ended up doing that. Okay, I got that right. But what I didn't get right was that CJ Sapong was going to. Uh, I think it was a vendetta against me. I don't think it had anything to do with him just being bad. So uh, Dom Dwyer. You outscored CJ Sapong, I believe it was 12 to 3. Yeah, it was not close. And Dom Dwyer <laughs> plays for the significantly worst team. And who would have thought we'd be saying that at the beginning of the season? Oh, I don't. Well, you, ah, whatever. Other, thing, other dumb things What's, Emmett said, he picked New England as the dark horse, has his dark horse in the East. It wasn't that dumb. He was. They were the playoff team for a while. Looks like they kind of got fatigued by the end. Uh, but... You know, speaking of uh, playing for a significantly worse team, how is that Orlando is a dark horse pick, Eric? Yeah, that also backfired tremendously. Congratulations uh, to Orlando for making me look like a complete fool. Never again. CJ Sapong, you as well. Uh, it hurts us to do this one, but the fans want to hear it. That brings us to the Happy Trails Award, or the We Will Miss You Award, for people we're going to be sad to see leaving the league this year. Uh, we'll start with the Columbus crew, except we won't because the crew were actually saved. Congratulations to the Columbus crew. Other ones, uh, some co- New York coaches, Jesse Marsh and Patrick yeah, Vieira. I will for sure miss Patrick Vieira. Yeah, we had a great relationship, but those were just two <laughs> coaches that were very influential <laughs> for their teams. Uh, Tata Martino, who... If we're just making things up, I also had a great relationship with. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, look, he went out a winner. Atlanta looked fantastic. Probably should have won the Supporters' Shield, but, you know, kind of let it go on the last day of the season. And also, we're being chased by a very good Red Bulls team. So, no shame in that. They did go out as MLS Cup winners. Congratulations to Tata Martino. We assume he's moving on to the uh, Mexican national team job, but that hasn't been confirmed. I'm still not sure what they're waiting for. So, 
I don't know. That's kind of weird, but that's where we're assuming he's going. So congratulations to him. You know, greener pastures, if you will. Clint Dempsey, who I don't think got enough of a shout out when he first retired on the show. So I think this is the time to give it to him. Uh, this this is a legend, a, a true legend of U.S. Absolutely. soccer. He, you know, if there if there's a Hall of Fame in Frisco now, on FC Dallas's stadium, right? He, he's got to be a first ballot for that. So he. He was Easily. a remarkable player, scored a lot of important goals for the U.S. national team for his time at Fulham, his time in Seattle. He he was just, he was a grinder everywhere he went. He had his moments, the time he tore up the referee's <laughs> card book, which is just amazing. That was amazing. He got suspended for like six say, games from the Open Cup from that, so he never played again. I was going to say he, um, Donovan, who people also, you know, deserves a lot of credit when he retired, uh, he, he kind of had a little bit of a tarnished reputation for complaining about not making the World Cup squad. I was going to say Dempsey didn't have that tarnishing reputation, but the, I I find the tearing up the notebook a little more endearing than tarnishing. Yeah, that is pretty yeah. hilarious. I, I laughed so hard when I saw it. And now look, don't dis- like don't nobody go imitating Clint Dempsey and start tearing up the referee's book when you're at your Sunday league game. You know, you're not Clint Dempsey. You can't get away with that. Really, Clint Dempsey shouldn't get away it's with it- that, but it's Clint Dempsey. He, d- he didn't. <laughs> I mean, it's his thing now. If you take it, you stole it from him. Uh, another retiring player, Brandon Vincent. Uh, at about 24, Chicago Fire Defender decides to hang up the boots. I don't blame him. I, if I played uh, for the fire like that, I probably would think about hanging him up too. Uh, then some uh, some players we're going to miss. Alfonso Davies, obviously Vancouver is going to be missing that yeah. one. David Villa again we talked about how what a great servant he was for the league he'll be missed as well in New York and everywhere really because you know he was he's good he was a good ambassador uh, Oscar Pareja another coach who kind of flew under the radar with his departure from FC Dallas he'll be heading to Club Tijuana and oh look he did some good things in Dallas so I think he deserves a shout as well absolutely he was uh pretty ins- instrumental in making a team with a low payroll one of the best in the west yes and finally Finally, uh, we'll miss Siggy Schmidt as well, obviously. Yeah, that's uh, it's a tough loss to the MLS community and the LA community. He was, uh, you know, a great uh, figure in American soccer. And, you know, he, he didn't end his time with the Galaxy uh, on the best of terms, it seems, uh, with this season. And, but uh, he, he was certainly someone who was a massively important figure in MLS. The award goes to Tata Martino again. You know, he went out a winner, and I'm sure Atlanta will miss him because you know you 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 never forget your first is what they say, right? Nobody's ever going to forget the first coach that Atlanta had. So, my sincerest congratulations to Tata Martino for what he did and what they built in Atlanta in such a short amount of time, and again for their ability to just keep going because we're going to see how it goes now that they've you know they're going to lose a key piece in Almiron, we assume, and they're going to lose their manager. Yeah, so, I mean, it's basically it's a point where you, you really can't do any better than Tata did in his last season there. Uh, you could say maybe winning the Supporters' Shield, but uh, that's, that's, a, that's about the only way they could do it is winning it, the Supporters' Shield and the Open Cup. Uh, but that'll bring us then to the opposite of Will Miss You Award, the Good Riddance Award. There's only one nominee. It's in pre-court one. ventures, uh, but, and it's more of a see you later than a goodbye, but we don't care. Get out. Yeah. They'll be back, but we'll be uh, we'll be gone with them for one more year in his uh, evil Disney scheme to try to take down <laughs> the crew 
or should I should I say Major League? It's uh, they'll make a new ma- new. You have to be careful uh, when mentioning. You have to sequel. be careful when mentioning Disney. They might take the co- the podcast down for copyright. Ooh, sorry okay. about that. Uh, moving on <laughs> quickly before they get us. This is the opposite of the comeback of the year. It is the how the mighty have fallen. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, look, we got the LA Galaxy. Uh, it, it, there's no need to really. There's no need to really jump on this, but you know the LA Galaxy. You know what a another kind of rough season for them. Uh, NYCFC. Tough, tough end for yeah. them. They kind of fell off by the end. Uh, Toronto, obviously, going from MLS Cup winners and Supporter Shield winners to not even qualifying for the or playoffs. even really being close. Tim Howard, been kind of a sharp decline for this man, but uh, you know, it's like Alexi Lala said last year. You know, the Tim, the Belgium game ended four years ago, and unfortunately, it's true. Your best years. You know, it's bad when I'm agreeing with Alexi uh, Lalas. <laughs> uh, other ones. Uh, CJ Sapong, after scoring 16 goals, drops down to three. We just can't get enough of CJ Sapong. He might be the most nominated player on here, outside of maybe Gio Dos Santos. That deserves an award in and of itself. Uh, But this one was pretty easy. Although I did, I did shut out the fire. I was like, man, this team went from the playoffs to wooden spoon contender. But there's, there's no doubting Toronto with such a drastic job, going from champions to not even being close to the playoffs. Like this team was just a disaster. From you know. It, it, they they let the Champions League be their priority, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it really backfired on them in the end because they just never got that momentum going in MLS again. Uh, and that's going to bring us to the midseason acquisition award uh, for best player to come in partway through a year and uh, make a big impact on the team, which we have called the S for Sandy or S for Save Our Skins award. Yes. So different from that other award we gave out earlier because that other one had to be basically out of nowhere. You know, this this is something that had, you know, you had reasonable reason to believe that it would have a good expect uh, a good impact. So, Rui Diaz, again, we're here with Zlatan, Rooney, who, you know, we already talked about Rui Diaz and Zlatan, but Rooney, he, we weren't sure, right? We weren't sure where that was going to go, and it worked out fantastically for DC United. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Adama Diomande came in, uh, filled a forward hole that just was absolutely gaping. Uh, so he was massive in them, kind of keeping good run of form going despite uh, a lack of goals in their center forward. Agreed. Uh, Eric Rometty, we've already talked about. Christian Ramirez as well. I, I was stunned not to see him play more for LAFC down the stretch, but I think he'll be a great acquisition for next season. Uh, and so we're going with uh, th- this was a tough one because uh, Rooney deserves a real shout out, but Rui Diaz is going to win this one for uh, basically coming in and uh, saving Seattle's skin. They were at, you know, they were wooden spoon leaders at one point, uh, and this man basically came in and they became uh, a team that uh, got a buy in the end, finished second overall. So that is a massive, massive turnaround. He absolutely saved their skin. Yes, he did. So congratulations. To Raul Ruiz Diaz finally getting on the award sheet. Uh, the best moment of the season. Now, we've got each of us our own. We're going to name some other ones, some honorable mentions. Uh, the crew getting saved. Obviously, It wasn't really, you know, a, a moment, right? But, you know, when it finally, when the news started breaking that, hey, this is actually going to work. Like, I, that was big for all of us in the community because it, it really do, it really did feel like, something good had finally been done you know all it always feels like this feeling of inevitability when rumors of a team moving start and so for them to be shut down is i think truly remarkable 
to come back when you know it seemed like they were done for. Uh, another one, the World Cup 2026 coming to the U.S. was a big moment for American soccer uh, and Mexican soccer and Canadian yes. soccer because it's a triple host for the whole continent. It's good and good for me too because it means I finally might get to go to get to go to a game. Hopefully, we'll be in the states at that time. Other uh, fun ones: uh, Joseph Martinez breaking the career hat tricks and season goal record uh, was something special. Yes, yes it was. Uh, Atlanta obviously winning the cup was big for them. Only their second season, and they've you know they 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 turned into a great project there. So my congratulations go out to them. Uh, yeah, and you know the. Um uh, Sponzo Davies' big contract with Bayern will be one of the biggest ever selling points here. Uh, but now we got to get to our own uh, awards because we did both pick our favorites right. for the year. So, so Eric, what do you think? What is what is your best moment of the year? For me, it can't be anything other than Zlatan equalizing in the Trafico with that. You know, it comes on. We've all seen the video where everybody's chanting, we want Zlatan, and afterwards Zlatan goes, they were chanting, we want Zlatan, so I gave them Zlatan. And, I mean, he just smashes that ball on a volley over the head of Tyler Miller, past Tyler Miller. Tyler Miller will be, you know, having nightmares about that for the rest of his life. It, it was just so insane. The English guy, when you know the the English commentary for the world feed was the guy was like, you could not have written this, and it, it's true, you really couldn't write that because like everyone say, yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah, no, that was uh, truly one of the moments that'll go down in MLS history. Uh, just you know, great goal significance from this star coming on the field and in the first ever Trafico, uh, so that is unbelievable. But I'm going to have to go in a different direction. Another star. Wayne Rooney, when he tracks back to make a game-winning tackle and then delivers a cross-field ball that becomes the game-winning pass against a struggling Orlando team, was the moment where DC went from being, you know, a you know wooden spoon contender to like, oh, these guys can make the playoffs. Uh, absolutely incredible to see. And one of the I think one of the best plays in MLS history, a- just in terms of... It's a it defensive it was, play. It's a defensive and it's a passing play. It's so, that's it so rare. It was so incredible to watch. And he, the only thing I will say is that, you know, having come out of retirement again recently to getting back on the field and just in the indoor where the field is really small, making that big run 90 minutes into the game to go stop that guy to make up a, a pretty hard tackle to make, right? To make that tackle, then turn around and deliver a perfect ball to the smallest guy on the field. I, like, to have the legs to do that is remarkable. Uh, yeah, and so that kind of put out in everyone's mind the idea that he was just a retirement uh, pick. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to do some standings for next season. Here are the predictions. Uh, it, it is early, but um, we're going to give what we think the standings are going to look like in 2019. Uh, we'll start with the East Coast. Uh, I still have Atlanta on top, Red Bull second. I think DC is going to continue their good form, finish third. NYCFC fourth. Cincinnati will be fifth. I think Toronto will pick it up, go sixth. Uh, and then with the seventh edition or playoff spot being added in, Montreal oh, that's right. will be the last team in the East making. Oh, man. Well, that that's going to change some things. For me in the East, I, I've got the New York Red Bulls, DC United. I think Atlanta will still be there. Toronto makes their triumphant return. NYCFC make enough changes to where they can still make it but they're going to be on the fringe montreal i talked about they're going to wake up feeling dangerous next season and i think they are going to be dangerous and of course now that we have a seventh playoff team 
I guess I am going to go with the Philadelphia Union. I mean, they made it this year. They looked pretty good at the end. Uh, I think that they, they might see a drop-off. They did have some new signings, this, so we, we made this list this a while ago. This is a ago. while ago, but also I, I will say that you know things will change between now and February as well. So if you come back and listen to this around this time next year, uh, it'll be quite quite odd. The only real discrepancies Cincinnati. in our list was I had I can't Cincinnati. believe it. There's just no way. Even now, having seen the way they've put together the team, and I am, I will say I take back what I, some of the things I said, I still think that Cincinnati is just, it's not going to be good enough. I think they're going to follow the LAFC mold of a t- uh, new team. You think they're going to follow the Minnesota mold. So there's, uh, it really could go one of two ways, and hopefully it's not the Minnesota mold. I don't really want them. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying they're going to be in the basement of, but I do no. think that it's going to be tough for them to. You know, there's just a lot of talent. Like Orlando is the only team right now that I would say, yeah, Cincinnati would probably take them pretty easily. <laughs> like outside of that, like even even the rev, the revs would probably be a competitive game, but I'd still take the Revolution. So going out west, I've got Sporting Kansas City, LAFC coming back, uh, Seattle. I don't think they'll need a miraculous turnaround this time. I think they'll just be a solid team. Portland, having made it to MLS Cup, I think this is their last chance with their current crop of players to get in there. So they'll have a good season. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I guess RSL because you know this the West looks like it's not shaping up to be much better next season. Uh, Minnesota United, I think that a full season now of uh, Darwin Quintero and uh, the you know their other you know additions. Uh, Rodriguez up front, I think that's going to help them tremendously. And since we're adding a seventh playoff team, go LA Galaxy. I think this time they get in. Yeah. Uh, good for them. I mean, I guess uh, if they can get rid of some dead weight, it's always a possibility. I have, I have Sporting first as well. Uh, I flipped your two and threes. It's Seattle and LAFC. We have the same top three at least. Um, and then I have RSL and then Portland. Uh, so we have basically the same first five. Uh, and then I have Galaxy next. And my last team, this was before things started going crazy, but I'm going to stick with it Yeah, I don't just, think so. Yeah. <laughs> they could be seen there for a down year, but I'm going to stick with them. I was thinking of making the switch, but uh, I don't know if I have enough faith in any of the other teams turning things I legitimately think the San Jose Earthquakes might finish above Dallas next season. Honestly, with how things are going, it's possible. I mean, them in Vancouver making big changes. Oh, Vancouver is so. another one that's going to uh, be really tough for them. And Colorado has made no effort to me to get any better. Like, yeah, Kai Kamara is better at go- scoring goals, but like, then they make some other weird moves where Diego yeah, Rubio, uh, whatever, Keegan Rosenberry. Oh, we'll see. How did you it's, let that happen? Oh, I don't know. But that's going to bring us to what we think from this past season uh, was our best eleven. Uh, the rules for this was there's no more than about three <laughs> or four players per team. I didn't follow the rules. So you couldn't just you couldn't just say it's all of Atlanta. Uh, you get six subs, a goalkeeper, two defenders, two midfielders, and two forwards, and it's got to be like a real formation with like you know that might look like a real team. Like you have to be able to you'd want to be able to say okay we could actually play this team out there. So you can't have three wing backs, four attacking mids, and three strikers. Something that resembles a real team. I think we both agreed with the goalkeeper, uh, Luis Robles. Great season. Uh, I am a huge fan of this dude. Uh, he didn't get a lot of, um, you know, attention. Uh, obviously, Sex Stefan won goalie of the year, but everyone wanted it to be Stefan Fry. I think Robles is the best overall goalie. Yeah, however. finally. This is this is where you go for your real talent evaluation. 
So my back line from right to left is Graham Zusi, who had a remarkable season for Sporting Kansas City, played every minute for them, I believe. Walker Zimmerman for LAFC really was the glue that held that back line together for an expansion team that's invaluable, to say the least. Aaron Long for the New York Red Bulls. He was named MLS Defender of the Year. I could not agree with that more. Guy's going to be a fantastic talent, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him make a move to Europe in the near future. And this one is going to draw some ire from Emmett. This is a bad Mohamed El Munir for Orlando City, playing left back. That's just he was just Isn't that bad. wrong, wrong. So that that was a tough one because there weren't that many left backs. We were like, wow, what a great season. Uh, so I agree with you on Graham Zusi and Aaron Long. I have them. Uh, I'm adding in Chad Marshall for Seattle. He was so important in that team, who's always very good on defense whenever he's in. Losing him, uh, I think, was a big reason they got knocked out. And then left back, it's got to become Carl Lawrence. You know, I have three New York Red Bulls uh, players in that back line, and I think it's deserved because they had the best defense this year. Uh, and Lawrence was the one left back I could say is, you know, a good, a very good and important player. A lot of the left backs, it's tough to see that. It was definitely not a great year for MLS left backs, but I don't. I like Mohamed Elmanir's attacking. What can I say? And so does Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley yeah, agrees with me. Who agrees with you, Emmett? Who agrees yeah. with me? I guess I guess Chris Armis, but who's that guy? Uh, that's going to bring us to the midfield. Uh, I have uh, – uh, I think we both had about a 4-4-2 four, 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 for this. I had Lucho Acosta, Tyler Adams, Russell Canoose, and Ignacio Piatti. Uh, Adams and Canoose were just two amazing center mids that were, the you know, the spine – of their respective teams. And then obviously Acosta, um, who I accidentally wrote is on LAFC is actually on DC United. Uh, and Piatti were, yeah, they're so electric. So, I mean, Piatti, I can't say enough good things about that guy. And Acosta was so important in DC's making it to the playoffs. On mine, I, I didn't. I don't think I really followed the rules here. I don't care. I I couldn't leave some of these guys off. So Alfonso Davies and Ignacio Piatti uh, out wide for me. Uh, they just they're they're too important to their teams to leave off. Uh, again, just how great they played this season. Lucho Acosta for the way he you know took over at DC. I, I again I, I couldn't responsibly feel like I could leave him off this list. And then Carlos Vela deserves some more respect for what he was able to do this season. Again, he was phenomenal for LAFC, at least in my book. So, again, you could never really play that in real life because there's no defense on that team whatsoever. Maybe you could ask Davies to track back since he's the since he's the young guy there, but uh, not a lot of defense there, so I don't think that really work. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. This is never meant to be easy because there's so many great players and it's so hard to decide who can go where. Uh, forwards, I think we were in agreement here. Joseph Martinez and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. There's just no other way to go. They were phenomenal this season, and they absolutely deserve the recognition of being in the American Soccer Show Best 11. Absolutely. And now we're going to get some subs. Uh, honorable mentions. Uh, goalkeeper, I will give this to Stefan Fry just for his stats this season. Uh, I don't think he's actually technically as good a goalkeeper as some other guys, but uh, he deserves well, the some advanced stats, you're not into him, huh? Andre Blake. I gave the shout-out to the Philadelphia guy. That guy does way too much for me to leave him off. He is uh, sometimes just makes saves. You just wonder how on earth did he save that. Uh, that brings us to our defenders. Honorable mention. I'm going to give it to Walker Zimmerman. Uh, you had him in your first team. Uh, I think he's good enough to get at least an honorable mention. 
And this one might be a bit of a stretch, but Julian Gressel, you know, he played some wing back. So I'm going to throw him out there. Swiss He's Army such knife. A good player. Yeah. Exactly. So I would throw him in the defender category. I threw for my defenders Maxime Cheneau and Ike Para. Fantastic players for their respective teams. Not I mean, they're they're defenders. They don't get there's no sexy stats for those guys, but they're stalwarts. Abs- yeah, they're absolute rocks in the back for their respective teams, who are both pretty solid defensively, all things considered. My midfielders, Boric Dochkal and Diego Chara. Chara is just always one of the better defensive mids. I like giving them shout-outs. And Dochkal led the league in assists uh, and was pretty important in the union, making it up into the playoffs, almost getting a first-round <laughs> game. Boric Dochkal for me as well, and then I, I threw in Nicolas Lodero because I like his game. Honestly, the more I think about it, the more I think maybe I should have put Sebastian Blanco here instead. Yeah, well, the playoffs, he was just unbelievable. Ladero, there's no doubting the impact he had on Seattle, especially uh, in any of their runs. I mean, he's the heartbeat of that team's attack. Uh, forwards, I'm going to throw Miguel Amiron in the forward category at the end of the year. He kind of played up there. And Bradley Wright Phillips for the Red Bulls. Uh, I guess I had five Red Bulls players, but that's all right. <laughs> uh, I had Mauro Minotas who I think we talked about a little bit of how underrated he is. I think he deserves a spot here, and Bradley Wright Phillips as well. Uh, so those are our best 11, but now let's get to something a little different. Our worst 11, no holding back, no regrets, who, having played at least 15 matches or started at least 10, makes our worst 11. This was difficult. Some of this was pretty rough because, I mean, you have to trash some guys that like aren't actually really all that bad, but they played so much that you know it, it kind of exasperates some of their qualities and so starting off a goalkeeper i i don't know how it's anything other than richard sanchez i, I honestly don't <laughs> know how else it could be anything other than that guy he was terrible cost the fire games i never i look you know i thought maybe he had some potential at the beginning of the season i was horribly wrong never want to see that guy again even though i probably will yeah i and I, i'm with you these are hard because from a lot of them you can just look at dc united how bad they were and then you add a couple pieces, or Seattle, how bad they were. They add a couple pieces, and now they're, you know, fantastic teams. So take everything here with a grain of salt. This is just for a little bit of fun. But I'm going to throw Joe Bendick for Orlando. That defense was just so bad. Uh, he ends up getting cut at the end of the year as well. <laughs> uh, my defense from right to left, uh, Scott Sutter from Orlando City, Jorgen Skelvik from LA Galaxy, Michael Boxall from Minnesota, and uh, I had to do it. Brandon Vincent from the fire at left back. He was just just wasn't good enough he did not Ouch. improve as much as yeah. i thought he would or should have yeah these these defenders are all gonna be from teams that gave up a lot of goals i went with kevin ellis scores two fantastic goals to keep the fire in it and then gets <laughs> chicago fire the legend kevin ellis loses it victor cabrera was a big signing for montreal who just ended up being a liability um and when they stopped playing him, they started kind of figuring out their def- defensive problems. So that's when I can kind of point a finger and be like, eh, maybe he was a problem. Tyrone Mears in Minnesota, another guy who, like, played a decent amount and then just, like, wasn't on the team by the end of the year. got cut. And this one goes against Eric Muhammad that, Elmanir. Just an absolute liability oh on defense. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe this. Listen, like I said, he next year we might see he has a fantastic year and he's a great player. I'm going to hold it against year, you for sure when he does. I'm looking forward to that time. Yeah. Moving on to the yes, midfield. Uh, I played this one as a 4-2-3-1, so I actually have Johan Blomberg from Colorado and Perry Kitchen from the LA Galaxy. Blomberg, terrible. Perry Kitchen, I expected better from a man whose last name is Kitchen. Yeah, he's working. Uh, should be he working harder than that. Uh, I can tell you that. 
there that was, that was a much better one yeah he he uh had high expectations coming in I went with another I went to two four two three one as well another person with high expectations Dax McCarty he just kind of fell off uh, and was way less inf- you know influential for Chicago by the end and Will Johnson another Orlando player who was just at times just hard to watch agreed on agreed for sure on Will Johnson uh David Akam oof I don't care. Ah, uh, just he such a such a massively bad player when he was out there that uh, it's tough for me to argue. Uh, Joshua Coleman again, it just never really happened for him. And Breck Shea, because he ha- he had to be Breck somewhere Shea. on here, so I listed him as basically like a wide midfielder. But he absolutely needs to be on here. We both had Breck Shea in that wide midfield position, and let and let's be honest, he really had some awful misses this year uh, and was a liability at times. I swapped a com for CJ Sapong. He played more, but was just, I mean, we always, always were, you know, he's been on here so much that we have to give it to him. Uh, once again, and Skelton Gashi, uh, Colorado, he played enough to qualify for the list. And as he's more of a forward, but can't believe he has not done anything for this team. Finally, I'm rounding out with Gio DeSantos, and I see that you did too. So let's not even, let's not even waste any more breath on the guy. He's already been on here enough. Same with CJ Sapong and David Akam. Can't give him enough. Honorable mention, I went first. Uh, Sanchez in goal. Oh, it looks like yeah, he did Bednick a swap. Yeah, Bednick in goal for me. <laughs> in defense, I had Claude Gielna, who I was fighting for for a little while to be like the biggest wasted investment. This man was paid a million dollars, and Brad Friedel never wanted him out there. Uh, in defense, I went with the uh, Scandinavian duo of Jorgen Skjelvik and Axel Seal. Uh, Seoberg, two big guys who just really didn't yeah, really do you gotta much. Gotta be careful. Axel Seoberg was on my list as well, as was Sonny from RSL. Yeah, so you might not recognize a lot of these guys because they didn't really get enough a lot of attention, and that's why this is usually picked uh, picked this way. Um, midfield, I go for the two Colmans, Joshua and Christian from Dallas, uh, Joshua from Orlando. As we mentioned a couple times, they just they were both pretty big money signings, and neither did really. Did anything? Christian started finding some form at the end and then tore his ACL before he got anything that going. How it goes. Scott Caldwell, New England Revolution. He's here. Mateo Mancosu. Ooh. Talk about a guy that was just dragging the impact down with his play. That's a guy. Uh, Harry Schiff for Seattle. He was out there. I look. I know. I said before that he was like a serviceable player, but he's out there so much that like it was hard to watch sometimes. It's very clear he's you know he's past his prime. It, it was pretty brutal. So, Harry Ship, I, I love you, man, but too many games. That one may be a little harsh. Uh, I'm going with one that you might think harsh. Darren I don't Maddox. think it's harsh. I know it's harsh. The man scored 10 goals. What more do you want from him? Uh, he scored 10 goals, but played way more games than Wayne Rooney, uh, who scored 12 and 6 assists. You, you just see the difference having Rooney over Maddox made. I think he's an average player. Uh, I throw Will Bruin in as a forward as well. Uh, because he was also just... You can see, once Ru, once Raul Ruiz Diaz comes in, you realize how bad Will Bruin really is. It really makes all those things come to light. And that is going to do it for us for the award show. Uh, we hope you liked it. I did get a message back from Jake Ritma, the winner of the big, biggest supporter of the show. He said, what award? Who is this? <laughs> so I think I, I think I just got oh, blocked. No. Uh, but we'll try to reach out to him uh, another time and get him that, that award. Is... Wow. <laughs> That's the perfect Ouch. response. Maybe I should have sent it to him. 
<laughs> oh no! All right. Well, the, oh, I, I don't think I listed that. I add CJ Sapong in my honorable mentions, but yeah. CJ Sapong, another he gets another mention. Uh, anyway, that's it for the American Soccer Show Awards. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, it. Be sure to hope everyone enjoyed it. Be sure to leave messages. Let us know how dumb our picks were. Uh, let us know which ones you all. Let us know if you with. made it to the hour and twenty mark. If you made it this far, then shame on you. You have you should have better stuff to do with your day. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's a little bit harsh. But uh, anyway, that's all the time we have this week on the American Soccer Show. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, listen to past episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, that's all for us in 2018. Help I, me out here, Eric. 2018. I don't think we're getting there yet. I was mixed between 2018 and 20 and 2018. Anyway, that's a last episode of the year. Uh, it's been a fantastic ride, Eric. Glad to be doing. Yeah, this it was with a you. fun year, man. And uh, we'll be back <laughs> probably sooner than any of us would like to admit, because it will not be long before it's time to start talking about next season. We've already done enough of that, but again, it won't be long before we have team previews to do. Before the Concacaf Champions League gets back, it's going to be back before you know it. So enjoy the time off, because there won't be much of it. Yeah, and our sponsors are going to want more and more from us. Uh, you know, they. We, this is what happens when you sell out. Uh, but that's all the time we have. Uh, we will see you. Next time we'll see you, it'll be uh, 2019. Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantar signing off.